Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, where I bring you the best and the brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Folks, my guest today, Brian Adams, is the CEO and founder of PH Creative, recognized as one of the leading employer branding agencies in the world. And they specialize in building world-class employer brand, EVP, and talent engagement strategy for companies, little companies such as Apple, American Airlines, GVC, and Blizzard Entertainment. And Brian is considered a prominent employer brand thought leader, and his creative, unconventional, and even controversial methodology are said to regularly change the way people think about employer branding. We're going to unpack that. As well, he's a two-time best-selling author, podcaster, and specialist speaker. We will dig into all that and a lot more, so let's get started. Brian Adams, welcome to the podcast. Adam, thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Thank you so much for being here today. So let's get started. Before we dig into employer branding and how you built your agency and all that kind of fun stuff, I love to talk about the early days. And you were a graphic designer at Factomag. First and foremost, tell us a little bit about Factomag because I don't think that that mag is on everybody's coffee table. Tell us a little bit more about Factomag. No, it was um, it was a bit of a, a startup dream of a, a small group of um of kids into design and um, fashion and homewares. And it was quite, it was a regional um, labor of love very early on in my career, actually. And I was a, a designer working 16 hours a day. It was a monthly magazine. I was the only designer and it was relentless. But I look back on those days fondly. It was good fun. And a little fun note, you had the opportunity to interview James Brown. Take us back <laughs> to that interview. How did it happen? Where did it happen? And tell us about the man, the myth, and the legend. So it, it was such a weird um, a, a weird way of it, it came about. Because as a designer, I didn't really interview many people or get to meet any of the fun people that were in the magazine at all. But this one rainy day up in um, in Liverpool... We were thin on the ground. People had called in sick and there wasn't very many people around at all. And this interview had been on the books for, um, for, for weeks and weeks. And for whatever reason, it felt to me, they said, look, Brian, you're going to have to do this. And I was like, look, I, I can't hardly remember my name at this point. I can't interview James Brown. This is insane. <laughs> but, um, you know, I was, I was forced to do it. I stepped up very nervous, but um, it, was, it was incredible. And actually... Halfway through, I remember thinking, actually, I'm doing okay. Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually uh, not a bad interview, but reflecting on it, uh, I could have said anything, and it was just the 
the absolute consummate professional, giving me fantastic pearls of wisdom, regardless of the dumb questions I was asking. Uh, it was probably one of the most surreal 30 minutes of my life, actually, yeah. That, that's absolutely incredible. Was there, was there one moment from that interview that you remember like vividly? One moment, did he say something to you? Did he look at you a certain way? Was it the way he acted, he smelled, he dressed? Something that really resonated with you that you always think about? Um, it's Well, it was a telephone interview, so I didn't get to smell James Brown. Ah, <laughs> see, that's it. The, that's it. Um, but uh, it was there was just a wash of wisdom you know, I remember thinking it was kind of like speaking to your granddad or, or whatever. And, um, but, but actually, my head was so muddled, just trying to remember what the next question would be and all the rest of it. So I didn't really get to appreciate the moment at the time. It was listening back and reflecting on it afterwards, which was, you know, more special than anything else. Totally. And, that, and, and that's something that you could, uh, you know, you could put that on your gravestone, right? No, interview James Brown over the phone and, and have nothing memorable. No, we're just kidding there. So so let's fast forward. How, how did it happen? How, how did it happen for being a graphics designer to saying, you know what? I am going to launch an agency all about employer branding. And we're going to get to the actual definition of employer branding. But how did that, how did that migration and that transition happen? Yeah. So um, I was working for, for that magazine, really long hours, very stressful. And, you know, but I mean, I was... Um, young youthful full of energy then so i was i was pushed to the brink one fine day and i, I remember I'd, I'd done something to really mess up um you know and i owned it it was my fault but the the boss came out and in front of about 50 people bawled me out and made me feel like six inches tall and he was uh -oh. a huge guy he looked like bluto from popeye um and i can still if i close my eyes i can yes. still smell his coffee breath bearing down on me so um I just, um, I stood up one day, uh, I stood up after I'd been bawled out in front of all these people and left the office and never went back. And I started the agency the next day. But was, was the intention for it to be a, you know, a, a creative shop? How did, how did you decide to focus on employer branding? So we're coming up to 17 years old now. Um, and for the first eight or nine years, we were a digital marketing agency. We did branding, we did um, websites, we did print design um, because we did print design back then. It was still popular. Remember uh, print? Yeah. And then over time- Remember we, print? Remember printing yeah. magazines? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the good old days. But, um, but yeah, so we, we gradually started to gravitate towards a number of our clients, which just happened to be in the recruitment space. And it was more just sort of, um, we fell into it than anything else, really. We realized that speaking to people in HR um, were easier to get hold of than marketing directors. And slowly we started to focus just because we saw an opportunity to, to carve a niche rather than having 6 million and one marketing competitors. There wasn't many uh, agencies around specializing in employer brands. So that's what sort of gravitated us towards it. And, you know, since focusing on a niche, we haven't looked back really. So I wish we'd done it earlier. That's, that's fascinating because I'm a big believer in niching. I'm a big believer in being an inch wide and a mile deep. I think that the riches are in the niches. And I think that you've proven that quite successfully. 
So before we get any further, go any further, I would love to hear your definition of what employer branding means. Anyone out there that doesn't know what is employer branding? Means? Yeah. So if you Google it, you'll see lots of different um, definitions, but um, essentially it's nothing more than how people describe the employee experience and how it feels to be part of an organization. So in short, it's your reputation as an employer. I, I think that's a spot on definition. And what are you seeing in the marketplace on both sides? I'd love if you could share what you're seeing that companies are doing right and then what companies are doing wrong, especially now during the pandemic. Yeah, so interestingly, if anything else, if nothing else, um, 2020 made organizations recalibrate and reprioritize the importance of their people for a variety of different reasons, you know, um, by being called out in the media for doing things wrong or by being congratulated, um, you know, and, and having the public spotlight mean that the sentiment of a brand generally uh, goes up because they've treated the people well, you know. So I think what we're seeing now is um, a trend of organizations doubling down on the value of their culture. Um, you know, and we're seeing at CEO level, um, stra business strategy now, including employer brand and um, designing candidate experience, employee experience and all this stuff where historically over the years, it's been a poor relation to uh, consumer marketing and, and branding. Um, you know, and, and thankfully now, I'm glad to say in this sort of space that we're in, that's starting to level up. In fact, we're seeing um, a lot of evidence that uh, organizations that invest in their employer brand, um, the stock price goes up. There's direct correlations with, you know, people who invest in the organizations that invest in, in employer brand, the value of the organization increases. And also there's a halo effect with um, employer brand crossing over into benefiting 100%. general uh, marketing and uh, consumer branding. 100%. I was going to save this for a little bit later, but let's talk about the Virgin case study around candidate experience. And for anyone who's not familiar, it was a case, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a case study that successfully quantified the commercial cost of a poor candidate experience at over $5 million a year. So it really made that connection between the candidate and the customer and proving the business case, how an industry, how the industry should really approach the values around customer, uh, around, you know, candidate and employee experience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that's we, we did that work with Virgin a good number of years ago now, but that was that was the first time that anyone had tangibly correlated um, the value of candidate experience. And, and put simply, um, you know, it's a consumer facing brand selling uh, broadband to millions of people around the world. And what we looked at and discovered was because their candidate experience was so poor, people were um, having a poor uh, recruitment process and going home and switching their um, their broadband to a competitor at the cost of five million dollars a year and at the time Virgin had no idea whatsoever uh, mm -hmm. you know so it was a five million a year hole that we plugged and actually then they doubled down they improved their candidate experience you know and since then they've looked at how to make the candidates that they're interviewing and attracting uh, into potential new customers. So flipping that script and it's, um, you know, it's interesting when you think of it from that lens. I mean, it absolutely is. And, and what I always like to say, because I'm a recruiter by trade, I have my own recruitment practice here. And what I tell companies is your candidates, 
their experience in that recruitment process. That's their first foray, their first taste, their first touch of engaging with your company. They're going to be your ambassadors. Eventually, they're going to come into this. So that's why the value of that. And when, when, when leaders truly understand that it's people first and they invest into it, and they don't think that HR and recruiting is some back office operation, that's when they see the ROI. You know, that's when they see it. But I want to rewind a little bit because I, I come from the advertising agency world and I'll talk to you offline about my history, but I started 15 years working in advertising and marketing before I got into recruiting. So I consider myself a true recruiter, Brian. I am a recruiter. I am that hybrid marketing and recruiter um, expert. I love to understand the process a little bit. New client comes to you and they say, Brian, I need your help. What are those steps, those discovery steps to really understand and unpack what's currently happening in the company as far as employer branding and EVP? Yeah, so I guess the first thing to point out is everybody has an employer brand, you know, one way or another, whether it's been designed or considered is a different matter. So essentially what we set out to do is understand the direction of travel from a business perspective, where people fit into that strategy, uh, where the gaps are, where the strengths are. And the research piece is key because if the employer brand isn't authentic and genuine, if it isn't transparent, then really, you know, anything else is built on sand. So the research is really important. It needs to be really representative of the employee experience. But there needs to be a healthy dose of aspiration in there as well. So it's forward facing and useful for the organization. You know, but the big difference with how we approach right. employer brand is uh, compared to the, the marketplace is, you know, a lot of organizations fall into the trap of just trying to be generally one of the most attractive brands in the marketplace, trying to attract more people towards them from an attraction perspective. And we believe that actually your employer brand should be designed to repel more people than it attracts. You know, it's more like a smart filter rather than a magnet, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm smirking because I agree with this. <laughs> you know, um, You've got to be comfortable, in fact, confident with the fact that your organization isn't for everybody. Um, you know, so you owe it to the audience and you owe it to the business to define who it is for, who is it actually calibrated towards. You know, and the, the decision of where to take your career next is, you know, one of the biggest decisions in your life. Uh, you know, you've got to make sure that you invest those years wisely. And also, you know, organizations... You know, if you set out to attract millions of people towards your brand, as a recruiter, you will know, you know, there's a whole industry that exists to deal with the deluge of applicants. How can you possibly screen and take oh, yeah. through all of those applicants, you know, and deliver a candidate experience? So isn't it better? The best candidate experience is giving people information enough so they decide not to apply in the first place, you know? Um, it's not about the volume, it's about the, the volume of valued applicants. And that's what we set out to do with our employer brand. A hundred percent. Absolutely. So the question is, how do you even go about communicating a company's value proposition creatively? How do you go about creating copy and language that, as you say, attracts the right candidates and repels the ones that might just be you know, hitting that apply button because, you know, either they're out of work or, yeah. you know, they're kind of desperate to leave their job. What are some of those inside, you know, kind of uh, not so much tricks, but what are some of those, you know, principles and approaches when you're crafting that strategy? Yeah. So, you know, whatever you come up with, it has to differentiate against your competitors. And a lot of the time you could take the employer brand of a company 
and put it beneath the logo of any of your competitors, you know, and that's the first litmus test that we will do. It's got to be differentiated. Um, it's got to be relevant to your audience and it's got to be something that you can build a moat around and protect, you know, but the, the best example that I can give you, um, isn't a, a company at all. Actually, it's, um, it's the U S Marines, the, the Navy seals. There's, there's something called hell week. When, if you want to be a Navy SEAL, you've got to get through something called Hell Week, you know? And I don't know about you, but like that doesn't sound particularly appealing to me. But the reason uh, people are so proud to be a Navy SEAL is because they have what it takes to get through Hell Week and they wear that badge uh, with pride and passion. Now, you know, I'm not saying everybody, every organization should have their version, version of uh, Hell Week, you know? However, you know, there are harsh realities. Yeah, especially in this day and age. It might be a little litigious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there are harsh realities and adversities inside of every organization. And through our research, what we found is that's the quickest way to find passion and pride and discover what your brand stands for. You know, and that very thing is often what will have lots of people running for the hills and say, this isn't for me. But those people that think, actually you know, that's worth it to me. That challenge is big enough. I really am attracted to that. They're the ones that are compelled and they're the ones that lean in. You know, so if you can um, galvanize an internal workforce based on acknowledgement and appreciation for what they do, whilst um, whilst creating something that will um, separate the head externally, you know, and get people to a, a proper decision, then the employer brand is actually adding some value. You know, if you just want more volume, turn up the dials, do more recruitment marketing. But employer brand is there to authentically speak the truth yeah, put more, in a compelling way, you know? Well, 100%. So let's talk about how you built your brand at PH Creative intentionally. How do you how do you be the shining star? How do you lead by example? Well, it's it's a... It, it can be a high wire act actually, you know, but I'm lucky because we've, we've built a culture where people aren't afraid to call you out. And, um, you know, if, uh, if we're overstepping in terms of not walking the walk, you know, we, we, we're soon pulled into line by our team, but we, uh, our vision is everybody loves their job. You know, if we can help some of the world's largest employers articulate who they are so people can make better career decisions then, you know, our vision is everybody can make better career decisions and, and find a job that they love. You know, and we call ourselves the defenders of happiness. So we set out to bring industry happiness, client happiness, and people happiness. And it's, you know, we, we use KPIs to measure happiness internally and externally. And it's um, it's no mean feat. It's a, it's a challenge. Um, but it comes down to this, you know, agency life isn't for everybody. It's really hard. It's relentless. You know, it's intensive. No. Um, you know, you need yeah, you have to know what you're getting into. It's oh, absolutely, it's a challenge. So, happiness isn't pleasure for us. Happiness is victory. You know, there's a it's a, an emotional roller coaster at our agency, just like any other. So we're very open with that. Our employer brand internally is love the struggle. You know, because every day can be a struggle, and we want you to we want you to love every inch of it. Because if you don't agency life isn't for you you know love it's a it's a very specific type of <laughs> love the struggle love the struggle <laughs> love the struggle I'm, I'm 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 sitting with that for a moment love the struggle and, and i think that really resonates to 
to the fact of the journey, right? Like the what we're trying to accomplish, and 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 struggle is not such in a negative connotation, right? But it's a it's, it's referring to the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, anything worthwhile is oh, a challenge. So let's talk a little. Yeah, you know, nothing worthwhile is easy. Exactly, you know. And, and what would you say has been your your personal biggest struggle over the last seventeen years? Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, over the last 17 years of building an agency um, through different economic times, mm-hmm. different uh, global geopolitical pandemics and everything, what has been the biggest challenge for you as an agency leader? Um, that's a great question. And I think, um, you know, it, it's, it's a bit cliched, but I'm, I've, I've got to go with imposter syndrome. I wake up every day and I just make it up as I go along. And, you know, they say experience is a series of mistakes. Now, after 17 years, I've made a lot of mistakes, so I guess I'm quite experienced at this. But, um, you know, it's it's definitely that idea of um, feeling like, you know, somebody more experienced could come along and, and do it and do it better. You know, and the secret really is surround yourself with 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 great people who are who are better than you. And I know that sounds like a, a cliche as well. But it's it's really true. You know, and as we scale now, we hire people from different industries with you know, really diverse experience and, and skill sets. And it's a joy to watch, to be honest. Well, that's fantastic. I absolutely love hearing that. So let's, let's, so let's talk about the pandemic for a little bit. Right, from your perspective, I mean, you work with many different companies. You have a insider perspective. So what companies do you think are going to come out on top, attracting the best te- the best talent once this pandemic eases up and people start to feel a little bit more secure, not about going back into the office per se, but they feel more secure about transitioning or changing jobs. Yeah, so, you know, I really do think that organizations that have proven to do the right thing by their people are going are gonna to win out for a number of reasons. It's going to make them um, naturally uh, attractive to people who are looking for um, stability, you know, um, Work-life balance and you know just equity and inclusion is now every on everybody's mind shelf. Organisations are being called out for it left, right, and centre. Some good, some bad. Um, you know, but the the biggest shift we've seen is um, how you treat your people is now tangibly translating over to how people spend their consumer dollars. Um, you know, so you're either winning at both ends or losing at both ends. And, you know, there's there's so many different examples out there. And, you know, speaking to our clients of a variety of different sizes, you know, we're seeing that play through time and time again. Yeah, that's tremendous. And I read that shortly after the pandemic started that PH Creative pledged $7 million to employer branding causes. Is that right? Seven, you pledged $7 million. That's tremendous. How did that initiative pan out? And tell us a little bit more about who you're trying to help specifically. Yeah, so um, it's interesting because uh, I think there was a period, you know, pandemic kicked off in in March. And, you know, by April and May, people were sort of getting the house in order. And there seemed to be a swell of sort of community spirit and organizations, large and small, looking around and seeing how they could uplift people around them and help organizations, et cetera, you know, and um, as an employer brand agency, we scratched our head as to like, how, how can we possibly help organizations? And what we settled on was if we can make the transition of people 
losing their job and finding another job better, or we can help organizations who are scrambling around now trying to either let people go with grace en masse or hire lots of people because they have a, a change in circumstance. If we can ease that process, then you know we're, we're doing our, our part. So um, we created a fund um, and made it available for uh, organizations to have better career websites to make that um, that candidate experience more efficient you know um, and you know we, we, we did that for organizations small and large and it, it was really I wish we could have done more um, you know it was seven million dollars worth of um, mm. of technology which you know yeah, sort of retail cost if you like um, so so it, it, it wasn't seven million pocket pounds of dollars we put in our hand in our pocket, but but still, it was what we could afford at the time. We were still um, battling challenges ourselves, but it, uh, we look back on that and I think it was a morale booster for our team. It gave us purpose when we were really needing a focal point, um, you know. So it was um, it had multiple uh, benefits in t internally as well. That, that's tremendous and absolutely, you know, we've seen so many companies pitching and helping in every way that they can. So let's talk for a moment about how, how you hire. What are a couple of the principles? Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll spin this and make it a little bit more fun. What are a couple of patented, trademark, copywritten Brian Adams interview questions? <laughs> well, we would love to ask candidates during an interview. So, so my team doesn't really let me interview. This people. is my employer branding. They gotta come watch. They kind of come watch this show before an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm not allowed to interview people until the, at the end these days. Um, you know, our team are guardians of the culture. Um, every all our questions are based around our employer brand, as, as you can imagine. Um, but I. I like um, spending time and disarming people by asking them lots of questions about themselves and giving them space to ask me questions. And actually, I tend to find um, out a lot more about somebody when I see what questions they ask and how they just have a conversation. One thing that we used to do in the early days um, was I would always interview people whilst playing foosball, like table football. Um, for a couple of reasons. One, to see whether they let me win or whether they were competitive enough to beat me during an interview process. And two, to see whether they did but what if they let were guard down, you know, and uh, open up a little bit more. And typically they did open up and, um, you know, relax a little bit. So that was always a sneaky tactic I used. I like that. And, and I hope I hope we could get back to it. Brian, what, what, what keeps you up at night these days? Um. <laughs> jet lag usually but um i'm often working on a number of uh, sort of priority challenges with the um with the leadership team and what keeps me up at night is i always have this sense that somebody more experienced has done has solved this challenge better and quicker than me and that that keeps me up at night knowing that there's a great solution out there i just haven't landed on it yet and um, I'll fixate on challenges from that perspective. And sometimes I'll drive myself crazy thinking about it. And, and that heavy is a crown uh, of, of the leadership. So let's bring it home here, Brian. And for me, this show is, is my masterclass. It's my postgraduate doctorate program. And I learned through osmosis. I learned from interviewing, you know, amazingly incredible experienced folks like yourself. 
So Brian, what is the greatest piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on every single day of your life? So um, I remember in the early days of starting the company and I really didn't know what I was doing at all. And I got a, a business mentor, which was the, um, the best decision of my career to, to surround myself with, with mentors. And I've always done that for 17 years. But the first piece of advice I got from my first mentor was to double my prices um, because it got me out of a whole heap of challenges. And what was underneath that piece of very practical advice was because I was small and because I was just starting out, I undervalued the services and the value I was bringing. And that was a really valuable lesson because I doubled my prices and what I found was people were more willing to invest in my products and services at the time because I was more expensive. It was reassuringly expensive or, or just equitable in the marketplace actually. Um, you know, and from that, I've always, every year I've written a, a strategic plan uh, I've put it in a drawer. Usually it's on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas. And I'll go back to it two weeks later with one goal, and that is to make it bigger. Because I always catch myself not thinking big enough. And it's the worst reason to not scale or to grow uh, at the pace you would like to because of your limiting beliefs. Um, and it's a weakness of mine that I consciously have to rectify and go through a routine to make sure I, I don't fall into that trap every year. Thank you for your vulnerability and, and sharing that. I think it's extremely insightful uh, talking to leaders about what their challenges are and, and, the, and, and the, the fear of, of growing bigger or what's holding you back or what the competitors are doing. And it's absolutely fascinating. We've all been through a lot, you know, in the past 13 months, and we like to focus on the good on the show. We like to end the show on a positive note. So I'd love if you could share a personal silver lining and a professional silver lining that you've experienced in the last year. Yeah, so um, that's actually quite straightforward. I remember um, the pandemic has actually galvanized our team. I feel like even though we haven't physically been in the same room, the 75 of us who feel closer together. Um, and just a few months ago, um, I got into a routine of posting a, a video update uh, at least once a week to the team, just so... Um, up the communication so everybody knows what's going on to put people's mind at ease and one particular week uh, I just didn't have the strength to get out of bed never mind make a video um, I was having a low period and um, thankfully I made the video and I just told the team I am having a really low week I'm struggling to motivate myself and it's a challenge so I say this just almost as an apology because I haven't got much to update you with this week. And what I found was um, I wasn't leading the team that week. They were leading me. Um, and for a number of weeks, people checked in on me and all the rest of it. And it really did show me the value of being open and honest and uh, vulnerable. People thanked me for that vulnerability and uh, moment of weakness because they felt it was okay to share similar stories. And I've made some real relationships in the organization with people that I don't necessarily work with on a daily basis, but we had that thing that we could share, you know. So I learned a lot from my team over the last 12 months, um, and I think it made me a better leader because of it. Would you say that the pandemic has been good for the culture of PH Creative? 
I mean, I think you've got to put aside all of the personal upset and atrocity. You know, we've had some real personal sort of um, dark days in, in PH over the last 12 months. However, that aside, um, it's made it's made us much stronger. It's made us much consciously focused, um, much more emotionally intelligent as an organization. And we've done things differently because we've had to. And I think, yes, that has definitely made us stronger as a result. Absolutely. Ah, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And last but not least, you know, you, you look back, you look back in your career, you know, you look at those, you know, the tough days of the magazine, those those late hours, those days when you can't stand to smell that Bluto looking boss that you had, you know, the ups and downs, those early stages, the early days of building an agency and scaling it. And you had to dig down deep. And you had to harness that tenacity that you have inside. And in the same breath, when we're having this conversation now and you're thankful for your team, for your health, for what you have built and you're grateful, what is your focus? What is your compass? Brian Adams, what is your North Star? I get up every day and I, I work on an organization and my vision my sort of personal north star is to have to create an organization that people love and are passionate about as much as me you know to create something which has meaning and and purpose um and that's probably something i'll need to work on every every day because you know you can't please all the people all the time um you know, but but that's what I, that's what I strive for, and I think um, we're a small company, you know, in the grand scheme of it. But we've got a big vision. Um, seeing other people work incredibly hard to work towards a vision that I set is immensely gratifying, uh, and I struggle to put that into words actually. But that motivates me and keeps me focused. You know, as, as you say that, it, it, it resonates with me. I'm, I'm building an agency here and I'm building a team. And it's a really fascinating idea, feeling and concept internally to feel that. And I really do deeply appreciate you sharing that with all of us. Thank you for spending time with us uh, this afternoon, this evening across the pond. Um, for more on PH, visit ph-creative.com. Brian, thank you so much for joining for us. We can folks connect with you directly if they wish. So great. Uh, thanks a lot, Adam. Uh, you can find me on, on LinkedIn, um, Brian Adams with a Y and PH hyphen creative. Uh, love to connect on, on LinkedIn. That'd be great. Well, it'd be great if you accept my connection request when we get off this call right now, because I tried to tag you in something, but that's all good there, mate. Um, thank you, Brian. Thank you so much. Hang with me for one moment here. And everyone listening at home in your cars, hopefully back on your commute, if you're jogging, walking the dog, walking the kids, or just sitting around, thank you for joining us on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Please leave a review rating. Spread the word. And you know where to find us all of us at thepodcast.com. Remember, take care of each other. Wash your hands. Stay six feet apart. And catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn.
and to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepodcast.com.